Ariel Hawani's MMA show is presented by Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Hello, friends. I hope you're doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Of course, it's your old pal, Ariel Hawani, here once again for another edition of the show. And let me tell you, we've got an old school lineup here, a super stacked lineup coming your way in a matter of seconds. I can't wait to talk to Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, and Francis Ngannou. Yes, four of the biggest names in the sport today. So this is going to be a fun one. Strap on your seatbelt, as the kids like to say. I don't know if the kids like to say that, but you get the point. Anyway, before we get to the show, let me tell you about my good friends over at Shippo. Yes, Shippo. For e-commerce businesses, shipping in two days or less is the new standard. As a growing business, how can you keep up? Enter Shippo, your business's new secret weapon. Shippo is the only shipping software for growing businesses that you can start today, set up in minutes, and then ship today as well. Because they ship hundreds of millions of packages, Shippo's volume discount saves you up to 90% off carrier rates. Simply connect your online store to Shippo. No coding or technical expertise required. They will instantly identify the lowest shipping rates from 55 plus top carriers all over this world like UPS, USPS, FedEx, and DHL. Your orders are automatically pulled in and ready to go. Just click print and ship. Voila, that's it. Plus, automated return labels are free. You only pay for customers. Use them. Companies that use Shippo save thousands of dollars, free up hours of valuable time, and on average gross 77% year over year. How about that? Join over 100,000 companies like Goat, Hims, MeUndies, who are saving up to 90% off carrier rates with Shippo today. So for our listeners, they are offering their best discount available anywhere. Get a shipping consultation and shipping pro plan six-month trial for free at GoShippo.com slash Ariel. That's GoShippo.com slash Ariel. That's up to a $700 value for free at GoShippo.com slash Ariel. Go right now and get your shipping consultation and Shippo pro plan six-month trial for free at GoShippo.com slash Ariel, A-R-I-E-L. Also, before we begin today's program, just wanted to give a quick shout out to my good friend, Mina Kimes, because she's doing some incredible work over at ESPN Daily. Yesterday, she had on ESPN's Tisha Thompson, who told this crazy story of a Houston-based boxing trainer who had to fake his own death in order to survive. Yes, that's exactly what I said. You have to hear it. And then today, Mina and my other good friend, Ramona Shelburne, they talked about the NBA and its plans to hopefully, fingers crossed, return very soon. I hope. I'm praying. Anytime now. Any day now, guys. I'm ready. Anyhow, listen to both of them. They're great. And so I strongly recommend you check out ESPN Daily as well, wherever you get your podcasts. It's a phenomenal show. It comes out every morning. One last thing, a reminder that today's episode of the show contains language that may not be suitable for all audiences. So listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. in your life on this Wednesday, May 27, 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the program. As always, we are presented by Modelo. Modelo Especial. Rude for those with a fighting spirit. And let me tell you, my friends, today feels like a Monday because we have a super stacked lineup of the pod. An A-plus lineup. An A-plus-plus all-star lineup, if you will. Now, a lot of you have been asking me, like, what's going on? What's happening? You know, are you at home? Are you at the studio? Basically, this is kind of the groove that we've settled into. And let me tell you, 
I like this group. Mondays, DC and Helwani. You get the best duo in MMA going back and forth. We've been doing it for almost three months now, and it's been a blast. Wednesdays, kind of a mini version of what you've come to love and expect from Mondays, but it's not really all that many, as you can see by the length of today's show and the names on today's show. We're still giving you the biggest names. We're just kind of switching it up a little bit, and I like this switch. A little bit of a reset, if you will, trying new things out. I really like where we're at right now. So today on the show, as I said at the top, we're going to be joined by Francis Ngannou. We're going to talk to him about what's going on with the Johnny Bones fight. Uh, there's been some talk of him fighting Dillian White, the heavyweight boxer. What's happening here? Because they teased us and then it went away. And so I'm very curious to talk to the man himself, Francis Ngannou. We will also talk to Jorge Masvidal. What's going on with the Kamar Usman fight? What's going on with, you know, Colby Covington leaving ATT? What's going on with all these things? He's been in the news. Does he really want to fight Nate Diaz for a second time? What are the negotiations all about? Usman talking about Conor McGregor. It's been a crazy time. And Masvidal for a while was doing a lot of interviews. Now he hasn't as of late. So this is the first time I talked to him in quite a bit. And I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Also, he spoke to the aforementioned Colby Covington. We'll talk about why he left ATT. What's his future look like? When's he coming back? Who's he fighting next? The Woodley fight this weekend. All that and more in a revealing interview with Colby Covington. But first, let's talk to the man who'll be headlining the UFC's return to Las Vegas on Saturday. He's going up against Gilbert Burns. We haven't seen him since March of 2019 when he lost his belt to Kamara Usman. He is the chosen one, Tyron Woodley, and he has a few things to get off his chest as well. Here's that conversation. So uh, I'm curious because it's it's all very new, right? This is the first event uh, in the midst of the pandemic in Las Vegas. Uh, you you checked in several hours ago. What has the experience been like so far? You know, it's just kind of like the zombie apocalypse when, when you just walk in there. Everybody got on a mask and gloves, and you know, you walk right in. The first thing they do is check your temperature, and then before you can even go anywhere, they already swabbing you and checking you for um, you know the the corona test. So it's kind of refreshing that they're taking all these measures to make sure that we're safe. And um, I think they're doing the best that they can as far as like, I think they, the, the hotel we're standing at, they, I think they like rented out the whole hotel so that no other guests can come in and we can just basically be secluded. So um, you got to appreciate that. And I'm just here to fight, man. You know, um, I fought a situation where we didn't even have our hotel room where I wasn't even getting paid. You know what I mean? We didn't have a dressing room. We didn't have a warm-up room. You just went out there and fought. So um, you can't just get so comfortable to all the bells and whistles and all the accommodating things. It's really just a fight. Uh, do you get the sense that Las Vegas as a city, like when you landed, I know you just kind of went to the hotel, but is it all very quiet, very eerie around you? You know, it's, it's more quiet than normal, but to be honest, my flight was packed. It was kind of like, damn, it was, it's a packed flight. Like, people were just saying, fuck Corona. So I literally was... um on a flight where multiple rows had three people to a row. Wow. Now, I took my time and I was, you know, take me a long time and had to grab my stuff. So I was trying to make sure no one was trying to sit next to me, but um, it was like two or three passengers away from me having, you know, neighbors. Okay. And so when you checked in, I understand they, they made you guys do the swab test, right? Yeah. So the, you did the swab, you did the temperature, you did the, the antibody test, the finger the finger. Uh, we didn't do the thing. antibody test yet, but that's okay. a part of the, this week. We did the swab, and actually, the swab that we did this time was not the nasal swab, which I hear that we did like a throat swab, which is supposed to be less abrasive. So oh. I didn't get a chance to get ready for it. Right when I walked in, there's a like, temperature. All right, go right. They're ready for you. So I was like mentally getting myself prepared to have a Q-tip in my brain, but luckily I didn't have to have it. And then you can't leave your room now until you get the results, right? 
Yeah, I can't leave. I, I had to. I had to go do some other blood work because I'm old, I guess. So I had to do some other things um, just to be able to fight. So I did those things, but I got to clear through them. Um, just have a mask up or gloves and go through all these precautions. But we have to stay in our room. We can't leave. We can't leave the premises unless we get permission. And if we do, I believe we have to get tested again. Wow. Now, what if you want to work out? I mean, right behind me in a, in a room across the way is a room that used to be where someone would stay, but now it's like a room that says Woodley. So, like, it's a whole, it's like a workout room. So, it's just like oh. a hotel room conforming to a workout room. So, every, I think most fighters have their own workout room. Wow. That's amazing. And you could be there with your team. Yeah. That's pretty good. You got your own private room. Not bad. Uh, so, so far, you're impressed with the way things are going. Yeah, so far, I'm, I'm impressed. You know, definitely. It's, in the work I remember, got like a little portable sauna in there, a little mat in there. And then I hear we can't really go to the PI yet, but I think we'll be able to potentially go and use cardio equipment and maybe the mat. Okay. Now, for Not you. the sauna and things like that. Right. This has been a crazy time because you were the first event that was canceled, right? You had the March 14th event and you were up first. You were, I mean, literally hours away from going to London to fight Leon Edwards March 21st. And then everything stopped. How would you describe the last two and a half months of your life? Because there was the stops and starts. You don't know if you're going to be put on this event. I mean, you're, you're that close. You're literally fight week and it gets pulled out from you. How would you describe mentally and physically how you've dealt with it all? You know, it was a roller coaster to be honest. And, you know, I literally flew to LA, grabbed a couple of things and I was flying out of LA to go to the UK to go to London. And, you know, I was packed. My door stuff was by the door and I was three or four hours away from being on the flight, like two hours away from driving there and four hours away from actually taking off from LA. He's like, Hey, wait, wait, you're bringing a car to the U S. And then they told me that, you know, Leon was going to come to the U S. Then they called me back and said, Leon doesn't feel comfortable coming to the U S. So who do you want to fight? I'm like, well, shit, all I'm thinking about right now is fighting this dude. And now you want to ask me like two or three days before the fight's about to happen, who I want to fight. And then that's what, you know, RDA name came up, Kobe name came up, um, Gilbert Burns name came up, and <clears throat> Gilbert seems very you know, excited to fight because you know he had a one round, one round fight. He was already kind of in shape, already had his blood work. So that's the only reason why he really got this fight, just because he was willing to step in at that moment. You know, to be honest, I feel as if I should probably be fighting for a rematch of the title, or I should be fighting Kobe or something like that. But um, He's a dangerous opponent, and it just made me re reconfigure three or four times. And I just found the positive in everything. I was out in Thailand. I had a great training camp out there. Boom. I was going back to Thailand, and guess what? I couldn't fly out anymore. So then I went to Atlanta, blessing in disguise. Had a great time with Manu down there in Madhouse. Then I went back to St. Louis to kind of taper down. I thought I was going to fight early. Boom. The April card didn't happen. So. I just kept training. And one thing I just got to credit is just to the mentality. I just, you know, I think spiritually I grew so much in Thailand that I was sound. I was sound mind. And me and my son was training through it all, running, conditioning, flipping shit, beating up the bags. And then when the guy noticed that, you know, I may have fought, my trainer, Dean Thomas, drove 16 hours to Missouri. Wow. 16 hours so we can keep getting it in. And I wanted to make sure I was in shape when he got there. So I made sure my cardio was insane. I was beating the hell out of the bag, doing strength and conditioning. And then we just picked up where we left off, and we finished up in Atlanta. 
tapered off at home. Had my last session um, Saturday, and I just felt good, felt ready to go. Uh, did it take some time to get motivated for Gilbert? No disrespect to him. He's not those names that you mentioned, right? And, and you're used to fighting, you know, you're fighting in title fights for the last few years. You're mm-hmm. fighting big names. Gilbert's on a roll, but he's one of those classic opponents who's super tough, but maybe isn't a household name just yet. So did it take you some time to come to terms with the fact that you were fighting him to get motivated for fighting someone like that? I mean, Leon Edwards was the same thing, though, you know, when you really think about it. So in, in essence, I was really I was really motivated for the performance. Mm-hmm. I was really motivated to go out there and perform because, you know, fight even fighting Kobe or fighting Usman again, like those guys weren't the names. Usman got the fight because Kobe wouldn't take it. You know what I mean? Leon got the fight because Kobe wouldn't take it. Gilbert got the fight because Leon couldn't come to the country. Mm-hmm. So it was all a domino effect. So for me, it's not really about the opponent in the welterweight division right now. If it's a, a Connor fight or a Nate Diaz fight or something like that, then now it's a person that has more name recognition than myself. Now that, that motivation to try to capture some of their fans, that becomes a great motivating factor. But this in this situation is really – is really just the performance itself. Because when you look at Gilbert Burns, like his his manager put something else. Uh, fun fact: um, Gilbert's nine and three. Da 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 da. And Tyron's eight and three. Don't ever compare his record to mine. I'm nine and three against world class fighters. I've never lost to somebody that wasn't a world champion or wasn't a world title challenger. That's facts. You look at my resume: Jake Shields, Roy McDonald, Kamara Usman, um, Nate Marquardt. So when you when you try to compare the victories you've had, wins and losses, they're non comparable because the quality of opponents are not even on the same stratosphere. Not to discredit him, you know, Damian Maya really I've never seen him knocked out beyond like I think it was like Nate Marco or somebody he knocked him out a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But he had never really been stopped because he's so persistent and he's so pressed. But that's not act like we like this the Damian Maya that was motivated to fight Anderson Silva or the Damian Maya that was motivated motivated to fight me. It was a Damian Maya that knew he has one more fight left. He's fighting basically to keep his credibility, to keep his lineage for his academy, and to show you that old man can still fight. So that's a Damian Maya you fought. And I wrote the book on how to beat him. And after that, Kobe beat him. And after that, Usu beat him. You know, I'm the one that shows you guys the, the blueprint on how to beat him. So I'm not discrediting him. I know he's come with a lot of power. But one thing I do remember is I didn't always have a name. You know, I wanted to fight Carlos Conor when he was one and I was 10. Baby Carlos shouldn't have stuck the fight against me. And at the end of the day, I know that hunger of that fighter that knows he right the, he's in the talks, he's in the mix. And if he can knock off a big name like me, then he's right there in the hunt. So I know that hunger. So that's kind of what I train more for, the hunger, more for my performance, less of who he is, less of what he's done. Because if you just look at all the UFC promotion, all they got to do is put a picture behind me don't forget this. Remember the power. They got to do an entire Rise and Star piece. They're introducing them to the fans because they don't know who he is. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, um, I'll go out there and have a great performance. He'll go out there and, you know, do his best to have a great performance as well. He'll get, you know, win, lose, or draw, he wins. He's never going to lose in this fight. I can knock him out silly. He was in there with the five-time world champion. You know what I mean? I got to go out there and I got to do something spectacular. So that's the only way I can win in this situation. I'm fascinated by this matchup for two main reasons. Number one, we haven't seen you since March of last year, your fight against Camaro. And so you're always interested, at least I am, to see how a champion, you know, rebounds from his last loss 
He loses the belt. You want to see how he gets back on track. But with you, you've been so honest about, you know, that time in your life, about a lot going on professionally, personally, distractions, a lot on your plate, right? The album, you had a lot going on and that maybe it was a little bit too much. And so I'm curious, can you tell the people what is life like for you now? What kind of Tyron Woodley are we going to see on Saturday in the sense that like, in terms of the distractions, in terms of the other stuff that are going on, I'm not trying to say those are bad things necessarily, but you know, when you got a lot on your plate, you got a lot on your plate, right? So how full is your plate right now? Yeah, you know, my, my plate right now is very is very monitored. And, you know, not only myself, but my family and also Dean, it really kind of stepped in and basically said, you know, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're not going to do. And as you said, those things aren't bad things. You can only fight for so long. Mm-hmm. And I've been an idiot to, to box myself into one category of just fight, just fight. That's what people that are watching me say. People that are actually out there like the Jay-Zs of the world that are just doing liquor, doing, you know, clothing lines, doing rap, doing record companies. Those are all different forms of art. And nobody thought he could even rap. Like, I was watching an interview in 96. Record label said Jay-Z was terrible. But now he's worth a billion dollars. Not because he just rapped. You know what I mean? He utilized every gift that God gave him. So I don't regret any of that. And to be quite frankly, to be quite honest, I was doing more stuff when I fought Darren Till than anybody. And that was the best fight of my life. You know, like I literally was doing things up until the day before the Darren Till fight. I dropped the song, my first single with Wiz Khalifa on that day. So when you look at, when you look at what I've done in the sport, I think I've facilitated so much chaos and that I thought I needed it to operate because with the idle time, I just never did well with the idle time. I did shit I should have never been doing. You know what I mean? But right now, my personal life is back intact. You know what I mean? Mentally, I'm back intact. Spiritually, I'm back intact. Um, I turned down a lot of stuff, man. I turned down a lot of movies, a lot of commercials, a lot of, you know, um, opportunities. I put my, I got a whole album that I'm working on. I pause it. You know, I got a lot of like 50% down, 60% down, strong features from platinum recording artists, and I paused it. Only thing I really did was um, I did the Titan Games because I was in Atlanta, I was training. And it was a great opportunity to work side and side with, with The Rock. And it was freaking exhaustive. So I kind of treated it like strength and conditioning workout. So that's the only thing I did. I put everything on the back burner. When did you tape that? I taped that in January. Okay. And for how long? Uh, about a week or so. Okay. What timing that this comes out? It just debuted while you're about to fight, right? No. No. Yeah. So it debuted when I was about to fight, but you know, I was in camp for Leon Edwards, and even on the show, I had to make choices. Like, I want to do very well because I'm competitive, Yeah. but I got to practice tonight. You know what I mean? I'm on set for 12 hours. I had to run in the morning, and I had to leave set and go to the gym at 11 o'clock at night just to make sure that I was being honest because I didn't want, once again, the outside things. Because think about this. If I've been doing something for 15 years, I'm going to be better at that. I'm going to make more money at that. And I'm going to have a better reputation. I'm going to have my feet in the ground a little bit more in that area. Everything else is three years, two years, one year, five years. So, of course, I'm not going to be as well-rounded. I'm not going to be at a championship level at music yet or acting or commercials or production. Like, I got booked. I got three gigs where I got booked to executive produce. Like, big Netflix and, you know, that caliber stuff. That would be something new for me. That's what people don't know. I'm always working. But I had to think about... I saw the end of my career first. When I started this area, I saw the end. 
Mm. Uh, a buddy in my area, I'm in our area, um, Aeneas Williams for the Rams Hall of Famer, he says, start the beginning with the end in mind. So when I first started, I saw myself as the greatest welterweight. I saw myself being one of the best fighters ever. And that's the only reason why I did it. I never did it to make it to the UFC. I never did it to be one of the guys. I never did it to be a world champion. I did it to be the best. When people talk about the division, uh, I want them to think about me first and then everybody else. So that's not, that's not what happened against Usman. I'm not going, I can't go out like that. You know what I mean? So now I got to go on a freaking spree and just remind people what I'm made of and remind them who the hell I am and what I've done and what I'm going to do to you. So that's kind of where I'm at mentally. Um, I'm just real quiet right now. I know people are talking and everybody want to fight me and everybody want to do whatever. It's been a couple of days I gave them a time of day, but right mm-hmm. now I'm just quiet because when I'm quiet, I'm violent. And every time I've lost, my next fight has been a knockout. And I'm not saying I'm going to knock him out, but look at my statistics. When I lost to Nate Marquardt, Jay Harron, when I lost to freaking um, Jake Shields, and it was Koshak, when I lost to Roy McDonald, and it was Dung Young Kim. So I've shown that I'm going to be resilient. I'm going to bounce back, and I'm going to make you forget about that last performance. Does this feel like the start of a new chapter in your career? And, and also, being that it's, you know, it's it's happening when you're 38. Does it feel like perhaps the final chapter, the beginning of the final chapter of your career? It feels like it's definitely a new chapter. Um, I, I think it's one more chapter after this one because I really want to just do damage in my division. But I've been having dreams and visualization of me fighting at 185. And I just can't see those guys. They're not faster than me. They don't punch harder than me. And I walk around, you know, if I'm not really disciplined, I'm walking around near 205 anyway. So I think that'll be my final chapter, uh, spending my last moments at, at middleweight. But I do feel this is the tyrant that I haven't seen in a very long time. This is a tyrant that was an amateur fighter, the one that was trying to make his pro debut, the one that was really just trying to be in shape at any time and fight anybody. And my coach said it to me the other day. He said, tyrant, I haven't seen this tyrant in a long time, and I'm glad he's back. You know, everything. I'm talking about from nutrition. I'm talking about from Strength and conditioning, cardio, sparring, jujitsu, grappling, wrestling, the mentality, the blocking out distractions. If somebody wants to start to function with me, I'm hanging up. I mean, I'm evaporating it. I'm not even addressing it because at the end of the day, it, I don't have no mind space. My mind is only set on greatness. I mean, I could, I could sleep a little bit more. But that's why I got melatonin for it because I'm up thinking and I'm up trying to do shit. You know what I mean? So if that's the only thing that I've had to worry about this camp, it's taking my ass to sleep, then it's been a pretty good camp. There's a lot of drama right now in the 170-pound division, especially at the top with Usman and Masvidal and Connor now in the mix again and, and, and Nate Diaz and Colby and Leon Edwards. Do you feel like, all right, all you guys are talking, I'm not going to say anything, come Sunday morning, I'm right back in that picture and you have to recognize me, I'm, I'm going to mess everything up? Is that the mindset? I mean, they, they, they all recognize me. They all know who I am. They all know what I'm capable of. And it's the reason why they don't talk about me. It's the reason why Usman is not talking about fighting me. He, me and him have conversated through text message, through conversation. He know that wasn't me that night. And he said he looked forward to fighting Tyron when I'm at 100%. He know that wasn't me. And he knew on, on nine out of ten times on earth, he would have never had that performance against me at 50%. So Connor, don't talk about fighting me. Nate, don't talk about fighting me. And all these guys that talk about fighting me, they know it's a win-win situation. Leon Edwards, you lose to Tyron Willie, okay, well, you lost to one of the greatest welterweights of all time. 
You don't fall back that far back in line. But if I lose to Leon Edwards, bump, bump, bump. Like B2K, I'm always in the back of the line. <laughs> when you look at even Gilbert, Gilbert Burns, yeah, he got a big knockout against uh, Damian Maya, but like look at his losses. I didn't lose to somebody named Dan Hooker. I, I lost to world-class people. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, they're talking and I'm preparing. And I think the biggest statement you can make, your actions speak louder than words. I'm from the show me state. My mom always say, <clears throat> I'm about to say anything. Show me. So when I go out there and I show them, they still won't talk about fighting me. Or you already know that. That's going to be a fact. They're not going to talk about fighting me. Of course, Usman want to fight Connor. Connor's not a welterweight. Nate's not a welterweight. Anthony Pettis is not a welterweight. Cabo Cerrone is not a welterweight. These are lightweights that's found bigger paydays at a higher weight. That's all it is. Like Connor's fought at 145 in his life. Like that person is not a welterweight. He probably walks around 180 pounds. So at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about guys that are corny, guys that are doing what they think should be said. Like Leon, Leon can never talk. I never went back and watched the full video of the backstage pad, the backstage thing with Masvidal. I went back and watched the entire thing. Bruh, if you're watching this, never talk shit to nobody ever again. You are completely muted for life. You're a permanent timeout. Where I'm from, can nobody walk around the street safely if that happened to me? It would be a problem off the top of the – he literally should not ever be able to say anything after he got done like that in the backstage. And then Masvidal went off and had the greatest year out of every fighter in 2019, and now you're not even in the the breath to even talk about fighting him. You know what I mean? That's the biggest capital I've seen in a long time. Gilbert Burns, like, Gilbert Burns is a tough fighter. He has great submission, great knockout power, and it makes him comfortable because he can he can go forward recklessly because he knows he can probably get a takedown, or if he gets taken down, he can rely on his jiu-jitsu. But he is not fighting somebody like me. Like, I got third overall takedown defense in the history of our sport. And I got some of the heaviest hands he'll ever have hit his face. And I'm faster than him. My arms are longer than his. And I'm not scared to take him down. Like, you're not going to submit me, bro. I don't, I don't care who you submitted. I'm not those other guys. If I want to get a takedown, I'm putting him on his back. If I want to knock him out, I'm going to knock him out. If I want to make him get tired, I'm going to make him get tired. Has he ever fought a five-round fight before? Not in the, not in the UFC. Okay, well, welcome. Welcome to what these five rounds be like. <laughs> and just curious, um, perfect scenario for you. You win on Saturday. Do you feel like you'll you'll be offered a title shot, or do you feel like you'll have to win a couple before you're back in that conversation? There's no way. There's no way somebody has won five world titles and, and had the belt and historically is one of two people total that's, that's won four world title fights in a year, me and John should have to fight three fights before they get another shot at the throne. Um, that would be unprecedented. But then once again, you know, there's been a lot of exceptions. I've made, I broke a lot of, broke a lot of records and made a lot of exceptions that we've never seen in the sport before. I think the, the manner in which I win Saturday is a big, big factor. Mm. Um, I think the way I carry myself after that, um, and just being willing. I think you get rewarded in the UFC for being willing. If you're willing to fight, a last-minute notice, if you're willing to take on somebody that may not have the name recognition. And I think this is a fight in a, in a, in a positive direction. Even Leon Edwards was a fight in a positive direction. These are fights that would have never been offered to a Conor McGregor. 
that would have never been offered to around the rise. It would have never been offered to someone that had such a reign. And the, the, those guys didn't, they kind of never defended. Ronda defended a few times. But just think, imagine them being offered a fight of that caliber. They wouldn't have had that happen. So I think me taking these fights, me going out there, me being focused, me kind of being a little quiet, and you know what I mean, let my work speak for me. I think that's going to pay big dividends. And I think if not this fight, maybe one more. And just curious, how do you feel about fighting in an empty arena? I love it. I think it's going to be like sparring. <laughs> I'm a, I'm nasty in sparring, so I think uh, I think it's going to be good for me. I don't have to worry about the hype, the boos, the yells. And I always do a walkthrough before the fight, the day of the fight. I go in the octagon. I do a walkthrough. I walk through the whole fight. I imagine arena loud, screaming, booing, every element going right, every element going wrong. And I, and I make that atmosphere. And then when I walk out there, I feel like I don't hear anybody. So now I'm basically right back to square one. So the walkout that I did, I'm used to it. I'm mm-hmm. used to sparring. I'm used to talking a little shit here and there inside the octagon. I don't think he's going to be used to that. I'm, I'm used to, you know, making people miss big and, and, and kind of taunt them a little bit. And this is where I feel like this is the best place to do it. You know, no crowd there. And then everybody's going to be able to hear, like, think about Gaethje. Those punches sounded so loud because of what? There was no audience screaming and yelling. So it was like a hollow arena. All you hear is do, do, do. That's what you're going to hear Saturday. Uh, last question for you, Tyron. Um, I'm wondering if in your mind, I-, I know that you feel like that wasn't the real Tyron against Kamaru, and I think most people who have watched your career would agree with that, but do you feel like you could only fully put that night to bed, to rest, until you beat Gilbert Burns, your next fight, or is that fight already to bed to rest? Did you do that a long time ago? Um, you know, I, I put it to bed because that fight caused me more than just a loss. Like I mentally was fucked up for a long time. Like I had like I went to see a counselor, I was having mental health. I never thought I was gonna lose. Like some mm-hmm. people say that, but in my mind, my last loss was my last loss. I never envisioned anybody in the walks away division beating me. So I didn't understand why it happened at that point in my career. Um, I had felt like at that fight was one of the first times where I felt like I was being promoted the right way, promoted as a champion. I really felt like, damn. And like I told you a few interviews ago, I should have knew better, man. That's never been my path. You know what I mean? It should have felt weird to me. And I had to deal with that on a more personal issue than I did from a fight. So this fight does nothing for that one. Like Usman all the time it is. And like DC said, when I'm focused, I'm scary. And I'm as focused as I've ever been in my entire professional career. I'm as focused as this young amateur tyrant that used to go to the hit squad and train with Robbie Lawler mm-hmm. and Jake Shields and AKA and John Fish and Koshek. But nobody knew where I was. It was like, who the fuck is this kid bouncing around like a jackrabbit? That's the tyrant that's right here. And I don't think nobody can see that, Tyron. I don't think nobody at welterweight, I don't think nobody at middleweight can compete with what they, I bring too much to the table, too much adversity, too much experience, too much affliction just from just from past, you know what I mean? All the bullshit. And you know, now I get to take it out on somebody and I don't have to stress this week, you know what I mean? I love it. I, I can't wait to see you back, man. And, and by the way, I'm wondering, will they let Mama Woodley in at the Apex or does she have to stay home? I think Mama Woodley's going to be able to get in. <laughs> she's going to be there? I don't know. She's going to be there. But the rumor says if Mama Woodley want to come in, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if it's a, 
a heaven, an angel in heaven that can stop her. So <laughs> I think I she, uh, we'll see. It's, it's, it's not a tyrant fight without Mama Woodley uh, screaming instructions cage side. Yeah. Wherever she may be, she will, uh, she'll be doing so. I appreciate you doing this, my man. Good luck the rest of the week. Good luck with the weight cut. And, of course, good luck on Saturday. All right. Thank you, my man. My thanks to Tyron Woodley for his time. I got to say, I like what I'm hearing. A big story coming out of that fight against Kamaru Usman was that he was too distracted, too much on his plate. He wasn't focused. I feel like he's focused. And even though he's 38, I still feel like Woodley has one more big run left in him. It starts on Saturday against Gilbert Burns, who's looked really good as of late, has won seven of eight, is very dangerous coming off that great win over Damian Maya. But if he can win this fight and get back on track, I still think Tyron Woodley's a player at 170. So we shall see. Now, another guy who's a player at 170 is Colby Covington. Before we get to him, let me tell you about our good friends, over at Modelo. Modelo Especial. I mean, who doesn't love Modelo and the support that they give us? Modelo is brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Hence, why they are the official beer of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Modelo partners with UFC double champ Amanda Nunes these days because she has the fighting spirit as well, which means never giving up, even when the odds are against her. Great beers are like great fighters, my friends. You know, when you have a great fighter... It's like you have a great beer. You want them in your corner. You want them by your side. It doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you're made of. Modelo's been the gold standard since 1925. That's almost 100 years. 100 years. It is a crisp Pilsner-style lager that set the standard for authentic Mexican beer. Modelo uses premium hops to give the golden lager its crisp taste. So when you're watching Tyron Woodley take on Gilbert Burns, this Saturday on ESPN or ESPN Plus, make sure you've got the beer that's always in your corner. Modelo Especial. Brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. All right. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Colby Covington as he reveals for the very first time in this exclusive that he is gone from American Top Team. Enjoy. Good to be joined by Colby once again. And Colby, uh, it has been two and a half or so months since we last talked. And, and and if you don't mind, I'd love to break down the fourth wall here for a second. Uh, you know, we didn't talk for a bit. And then all of a sudden I see all these reports online that you've been removed from the American Top Team website, all this stuff, all this drama in the welterweight division. So I shot you a text uh, yesterday afternoon, seven or so hours later, I get a reply and you say that you have some things that you want to get off your chest. So we'll do that today. But first off, let me ask you, how are you doing? First off, I just want to say I'm doing great. It's an honor to be back on the A-Show, Ariel, and I just can't thank you enough for being the MMA journalist of the decade and, and always giving me a platform, man. It's a truly an honor to be here with you today, and, and uh, just to be able to speak to your mind, is, is, uh, it's, it's a dream come true. All right. Well, thank you, Kobe. I appreciate that. So what is going on? Because uh, all of a sudden, I'm seeing all these reports that you've been removed from the American Top Team website. Are you no longer affiliated with that team? Uh, that is correct. I'm affiliated with Colby Covington Incorporated as of now, you know, I'm my own team, you know, Dan, I love Dan. Dan Lambert is, is still a great friend to me. He's a mentor. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a second father to me. Dan Lambert gave me an opportunity. I can't thank him enough. You know, he's good people, but it's time to move on. Ariel. Everybody knows all good things come to an end. I fulfilled my debts there. You know, I was there for 10 years. I started my MMA journey there at American top team. And, you know, I, we went to the top, you know, Dan Lambert has everything. He's got UFC belts. He's got WEC belts. He's got pride belts. 
He's got WWE belts. But, you know, I, what I feel accomplished as a fighter going there and being able to do something that he's never done before, I was able to take him to the White House. So I feel like I fulfilled my debts, and we had a great run together. But, you know, it's time to move on. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, we're evolving, we're growing. And, and, you know, just like the saying goes, Ariel, the sun sets, the sun rises, the caterpillar turns into the butterfly. Okay, so I guess you're the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. Um, so let me ask you, when did this happen? When did this go down? Uh, you know, you have to ask Dan Lambert about that. I, I can't really recall when it went down, but I can recently? say that, uh, yeah, it was pretty recently. Okay. It was pretty recently, but you know, I, you know, I know you're the journalist of the decade, so I'll let you do your journalist work and, and go to journalism and, and find out the inside scoop. But, you know, I just, it, it was the best thing that could ever happen. You know, I, I was sick of all the pro fighters making this millionaire Dan Lambert, like putting him in a tough situation. Like they're, they're coming to him. Joanna, Dustin, George, to protect their precious little feelings. Oh, Dan, Colby's such a mean person. He's a bad guy. Oh, he says mean things about me. Kick him off the team, blah, blah, blah. Hey, guess what? I'm not on the team no more. I'm not your, I'm not your teammate. I'm not your roommate, George. Now I'm just your daddy. I give you your fucking spanking. So if you got something to say, don't go to Dan Lambert and crying like a grown-ass fucking adult. You're a grown adult professional fighter and you're going to another grown adult who's a successful businessman, Dan Lambert, and you're crying about your precious little feelings. Oh, wah, wah, wah. So were you asked to leave or did you decide to leave on your own? Oh, uh, you know, it, it was time to leave, man. I just, I, I felt bad putting Dan in that situation, Ariel. It just, I like for months, literally he's coming to me, dude, man, you put me in a tough situation. You know, everybody wants you out, man. You're making the gym, you know, uneasy. And I didn't want to do that to him, man. I don't, I don't want to make his life, you know, tougher than it already is. He already has enough on his plate. So I felt like it was the best for me to move on, find some other coaches, find some other training partners and go about my business, how I go about my business. You know, the biggest thing, Ariel, is that we're in America. Are we not entitled to our own opinion? Don't we have free speech? But didn't Dan like institute a rule where he didn't want the teammates talking about each other? Yeah, exactly. So that's that, you know, that's his role and that's their business, but we're in the Colby Covington business Ariel. I'm not in the Dan Lambert business. I'm not in the American top team business. I'm a professional cage fighter. I'm in the entertainment show business and I'm in the money making business. I'm not in the feelings business. So, you know, it's just, he may implemented that rule, but man, you can't take, I'm an American area. You can't take away my rights. And that's my constitutional right. I, I have freedom of speech. And if you try and take that away, you know, that's not fair. And, and things need to move on and time moves on. And, you know, it's for the best. You know, I'm very happy with things, how things are now and, and how things went down. And there's no ill will, ill will towards Dan Lambert. I love that guy. He's literally a mentor and a friend. And, you know, we did some things together. We did an impact wrestling angle. We went to the White House. You know, we did things together that no one will ever be able to do with him. And, and I'm proud. I, you know, I'm proud that I was able to, to bring those accomplishments to him. So this is really big news because you've been a fixture there for so long. For context, do you remember when you joined ATT? Yeah, I joined uh, directly when I got out of college. They called me up and they were like, they wanted to bring me out after college wrestling season. And they flew me down, got me a house, you know, put me on, you know, a stipend for food every week. And this was probably in 2000, this was in 2011, so nine wow. years ago. Now, I believe, I mean, certainly you've been there longer than uh, Joanna, you've been there longer than Dustin. Jorge, I'm not sure. Do you know if you were there before him? 
Well, the thing about this is that's the funniest, you know, is, is the thing with George is, you know, he started in another gym. He started at FFA, Freestyle Fighting Academy. You know, Dustin started in Louisiana. Right. Uh, uh, Joanne started in Poland somewhere, you know. So, you know, I'm thankful that I was able to start my career there and, and I was never at another gym. And the only reason I had to leave is because, you know, it just was causing too much drama in the gym. And that's not what I want to do. I don't want to bring drama to a grown ass successful businessman's life. You know, I want to go about my business. This is my business. So, you know, I think George had been there about two years longer than me. Okay. But he had left, he was at FFA and he, he went from FFA to American top team. I guess what I was getting at was, did you ever get to the point where you said, look, I've been here for almost 10 years. Why do I have to leave? No, I, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, it's just a building, you know, it's just a gym. And, you know, I just felt bad for Dan, you know, putting him in that situation. And, and it's his gym, you know, it's his decision, you know, and, and that's what life's all about, you know, it's decisions and he made a decision and, and the people made a decision, you know, he made his decision to implement that rule that you no know, trash talking policy, but I don't think that should be a rule because Ariel, honestly, is this a team business? This is an individual business. We go out there. No, I can't tag anybody in and be like, oh, I tag you in. You're going to come fight for me now. No, it's individual. We fight in there by, by ourselves. So, you know, it's an individual business and I'm getting locked in the cage by myself and I want to do my own business. I don't want telling me someone telling me how I have to do business. Like, that's not fair. And that, that you know, that's just, it's not American. Do you regret anything that you said or did over the past couple of years that led to this? Not at all not not one bit you know I have no regrets and and I feel like uh this is the best thing that could ever happen to me you know this is this is my chance to grow and to evolve and become better from it and you know it just gave me more motivation I it just you know I'm happy this is like a blessing in disguise for me and and uh you know I never said anything that wasn't was any unethically wrong you know I said a lot of the stuff I always say Ariel is within truth there's nothing I don't come out and say blatant lies like some of these guys you know I'm coming with a lot of truth but Sometimes the truth is too hard to handle, Ariel, and we we know the brutal, honest truth. You know these snowflakes; they can't take it. When when things were getting really hot, like several months ago, you're about to fight for the belt, and there's a lot of back and forth between you and Jorge and the other members of the team. And I've asked you this question, but now that you're you're no longer affiliated, I'm wondering if your response is different. Was it ever uncomfortable there for you? Did you ever feel unsafe? Did you ever feel unwelcome? I can't imagine what it would be like. I know ATT is a pretty big place, but it's still just a place. It's a building, as you said. You're going to see these guys. Was it ever a little weird or uncomfortable for you there? No, it was never weird or uncomfortable for me because, you know, I know I'm the best fighter in the world and no one can mess with me. So every day that George would come into the gym and he'd start creating uh, drama and a ruckus, you know, and yelling from across the gym, Colby, I'm going to mess you up. I'm like, let's go. Come right now, George. Let, let's go, journeyman. You want to do something? Come do it. Stop stop yelling across the gym, trying to make a scene, having all the coaches pull you back. If you really want to fight, let's fight, man. Let's go outside and fight. Let's go in the octagon and fight. But that's the thing about George and Dustin and Joanne. They don't want to fight. You know, I mean, Joanne's a girl, so obviously I'm not going to fight her. But but George and Dustin, that's a whole other story. They want to they want to cry to Dan. They want to talk about, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, they want to talk all in the gym, but they don't want to fight, man. They they, they can't. They don't want to fight me. They know deep down inside, Ariel, what happened when we trained for the last 10 years. And let me just tell you, it was like fighting an amateur against a professional. I mean, let's be honest. George, he can't read. He can't spell. He can't write. I mean, let's be – we honestly know he definitely can't fight. So, you know, I want to know what's up with George. Like, why is he holding out? Why is he not fighting newsmen? You know, what? 
is he waiting for me? Is he waiting for America's champ, for the people's champ, for Miami's favorite fighter, for Donald Trump's favorite fighter, Colby Chaos Covington? Is that what's going on, Ariel? Okay, well, we'll get to that in a second, but I just want to ask you one more thing about this situation. Um, not that long ago, you posted on your Instagram a picture of you and Dustin. It seemed like you guys made amends. So what was that all about? Uh, that was just me, you know, just respecting, you know, the rules that were in place at the time, you know, but, you know, gloves are off now, you know, Dustin Doofus, Poirier, you know, he, he want to, he want to direct his complaints because that's all they do is they complain and they're, they're ultimate feelings champions. They're not ultimate fighting champions, they're ultimate feelings champions. And they're going to Dan, they're complaining. Well, guess what? The head of the complaint department is not Dan Lambert anymore. The head of the complaint department is Kobe Covington. And let me let me talk. Direct your complaints to Kobe Covington. I don't give a fuck. Click. So are you still living in Florida? Will you still call Florida home and, and, and will that be where you train as well? Yeah, Florida is still my home. Uh, you know, I still reside in the 305. I'm still the king of the 305. I run Miami. These streets are mine. George <laughs> knows that. So, you know, Miami is my home. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not. I'm not moving my life just because someone made a decision, you know, and, and I made a decision. It's, it's a new opportunity, and, and there's great fighters and great coaches down here, great training partners, and, you know, I, I have a great business. The Colby Covington Incorporated, you know, we can fly out multiple training partners and coaches, and I'm going to get the best looks around, and you're going to see a growth in me. You're going to see something you've never seen from me before, Ariel, in my next fight, and, and the world's going to be shocked. I, I can't wait to get out there in the octagon under those bright lights again. So where do you train now? Where's your gym? Oh, Ariel, you know we can't talk about that, buddy. Why not? I got coaches. I got coaches. Okay. Why is that a secret? I mean, I feel like you're actually being very uh, revealing right now. Why is that the one that you can't reveal? Because that'll come out in time. We're not not talking. We didn't come here today to talk about that. I come to talk about how much I respect Dan Lambert, you know, how much, you know, you know, how much I'm thankful for our time together. You know, we went to the White House, me, him, and Uncle Dana good times you know i'll never forget that but there's still one thing left that i promised uh dan lambert and that's to bring him marty fake newsman's head you know he promised me he'd be at the next fight with marty fake newsman front row and i would deliver him his head so you know i got to do that for dan lambert because obviously dan knows deep down inside jorge's not going to do it for him because jorge sucks and a he's either not going to fight him jorge or b he's going to get his ass beat and he's going to get ripped limb to limb so Dan, deep down inside, knows his only chance at beating Mark, Marty Fake Newsman and getting his head is through me. So we're still friends. That's my boy. So, okay, so I understand you won't tell me where the gym is. Could you tell me who your, your coaching staff is? I can't reveal that to you yet. You know, that'll come out in time, Ariel. We got to be patient, man. Good, All right. good things take time. And just like good things came to an end, good things take time to develop. And, you know, things are being put in place. And I'm putting a lot of hard work in behind the scenes. and. Anybody that doesn't believe that I'm in the best chance to win right now, they're going to be surprised in my next fight. So would it be fair to say that you're not joining another team based in Florida? You're kind of doing this sort of like a boxer per se, where it's just team Colby Covington and you're going to have your own staff at your own place. And that's pretty much it. Like you're the the focus of all the attention. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, Ariel. You know, this is uh, Colby Covington Incorporated now. You know, I don't, I'm not affiliated with any gym, you know, I'm affiliated with the Colby Covington business and we're in the ultimate, we're in the ultimate money-making business. We're in the, the ultimate fighting championship, but there's no feelings here. 
You know, there's no complaints here at Colby Covington Inc. You can say whatever you want, freedom of speech, freedom of opinion, do whatever you want, but don't get your feelings hurt when you're a precious little cage fighter. And so you, you, you've moved on at this point, even if they asked you to come back, if they said, let's make amends, you're done with ATT. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with ATT. You know, we had a, we had a great run while it lasts, but you know, it was time to move on, you know, and the sun sets, the sun rises, uh, you know, it's a new chapter. This is a, you know, Ariel, it's been a great story we've had together and, and you know, it's, it, there's always a new chapter that comes and it's time to turn the page, you know, and this new page is the best one yet. And, and we're just getting started. You haven't seen the best Colby Chaos Covington yet. And I'm just excited to, to show everybody the real me and, and not be able to hold anything back. Not the uncensored, unfiltered me. I get to show the real me. I get to dial it back up again, Ariel. No one's <laughs> telling me what to do. So you, you felt like you were being held back because of this rule that was instituted. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely was hindering on me a little bit. It, uh, it, you know, it didn't allow me to be me, you know, and what's got me to the dance and what's got me here. And that's by just not caring what people think, not caring about people's feelings, you know, just, just going about my business because at the end of the day, this is my business. I'm the only one that's getting locked in the cage. You're not coming in the cage with me. You know, you're not getting paid. You're not, you're not the one that has to negotiate with the UFC and, and, and you're set. You got your money. You're set for life. You can do whatever you want the rest of your life. So, you know, I just, I just feel like, yeah, it held me back. And, and now I have the best opportunity to be me and showcase who I really am. And I promise you, I got some really juicy stuff coming, Ariel. And one last thing on all of this. Um, I know that you and Dan were in business together as far as him representing you, contracts, fights, etc. But recently you teamed up with Balanji Group, but he was sort of still a consultant for you, if that's the best way to put it. Is he still going to be involved in your business or is this like a clean break? Your friends, clearly, there's still respect there, but are you no longer affiliated with him in any kind of business way? Yeah, that, that's correct. You know, it's, okay. it, this is the next phase in the plan. You know, Lambert's still part of the plan, but, you know, as far as agency, you know, I, I relieved him of those duties because, you know, I didn't, he, he's got enough on his plate, man. And, and I told him that when I went to Ballinger from the start, I was like, damn, man, I don't want you to have to get in the middle of all my drama. And I'm not right. talking about just the drama with the fighters. I'm talking about with the UFC because he has to go to the negotiating table and, and argue with Dana White, argue with, you know, the other guy behind the scenes that does the negotiating. And I didn't want to keep putting him in that predicament where it's like, dude, he's, he's ruined his friendship with the UFC. He's ruined his friendship and relationship with these other fighters and coaches and this and that because everybody hates me and everybody wants to talk smack about me. So, you know, I just feel like this was the best plan and step to, you know, take the drama out of his life and show him how much I respect him. He knows how much I respect him. I never went to him crying about other things other people did in the gym or other things people said. No, I, I was always respectful of him and his time. And I want him to enjoy the rest of his life, you know, and not have to worry about little high school drama, man. I mean, we're, we're professional grown adults, man. Act like adults. Don't go crying to another adult when you're an adult. Okay, so now let's transition to what's next for you because it's interesting. Before I even texted you yesterday, um, I was I was talking to our mutual friend Chael P. Sonnen. We were taping Ariel and the Bad Guy. We we're talking about the the mess at the top of the welterweight division, all this drama as of late. And he brings up, "Hey, what's going on with Colby Covington? Why don't we hear his name being brought up? Where is he in all of this? How is he not factoring into any of this stuff?" And I somewhat hypothesized that perhaps he's in timeout. I don't know what's going on with Colby Covington. And so I'm really happy that we're talking 
right now because I would love to know what's going on with you. In the midst of all this drama, and of course we've got Woodley coming back against Burns this Saturday, and we've got everything going on between Masvidal and Usman, as you alluded to, Conor McGregor in that mix as well. Where are you in all of this? Why isn't your name being brought up? Uh, you know why my name's not being brought up because I'm the toughest fight out there. No one wants to fight me. I mean, Marty Fake Newsman knows if he fights me with a competent ref that doesn't give him free timeouts in the fight, he has no chance to win. I did concuss Usman, wobbled him multiple times in that fight, but we just found out that Usman still has a couple brain cells left in that thick little skull of his because he's looking for easier fights with two little lightweight soy boys in George Masvidal and Conor, Conman McGregor. So, you know, these guys are smart, man. They don't want to say my name because they know what comes, what happens when they say my name. They're going to be in for the fight of their life. And, and you know, uh, George Masvidal, you know, he's out here begging for a rematch with Nate Diaz, the soy boy. I mean, that's pathetic, dude. Like, why are you you're making yourself look so stupid to the fans? The fans are realizing you're fake, you're a phony and you're afraid to fight. You're afraid to fight the champion? What's up, dude? I be, I called this from day one, too, Eric. I said, George is not going to fight Usman. He's scared to fight, and he sucks at fighting. You know, I he can win his next – George Masvidal can win his next 20 fights. He still wouldn't have as good a winning percentage as me. That's how bad he is. So he's a bum, and he's irrelevant. He hit lightning in a bottle, and, you know, he's sad that he doesn't want to try and capitalize on it. He just – you know, but anybody out there, they you know, I'm, I'm looking to fight soon, Eric. You know, I've been begging to come back and save the sports world, save America. But, you know, we just got to see what the UFC wants to do. I, I want Marty Fake Newsman, but the last thing Marty Fake Newsman wants is to get locked in a cage with me again, especially if it's going to be a fair playing field because he knows he can't beat me unless he cheats. So, okay, just curious, why aren't you fighting Woodley this Saturday? Because it seemed like there was a lot of momentum a couple months ago. That's when we were talking um, about that fight finally happening, a fight that's been brewing for a long time, a lot of heat between you guys. Why not? Uh, book that fight. Why didn't it happen for May 30th? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, Ariel. Uh, UFC didn't want him to have that fight. Uh, the UFC pretty much knows he's irrelevant and he's washed up and he hasn't fought in what, a year and a half, two years. So they think he's just old. He's washed up. So they gave him a guy named Leon Scott or a kid named Dilbert. I mean, who knows what Dilbert is? So the UFC wants to see if he still has anything left in the tank because his last fight, he didn't even win one second of one round. He got completely dominated from pillar to post from start to finish. So they want to see if there's anything still left in the tank, if he's going to earn this fight. I was begging for the fight. I was willing to fight Tyrone Woodley on five days' notice because it's the easiest style matchup in the whole entire division for me. The guy has no heart, no cardio, and he's a soft little soy boy. So, you know, if he, maybe if he gets through the test this weekend – I would love to fight him and, and retire him the way he should go out. But, you know, let, let's be honest. He's going to stick to hurting people's ears for a living with that whack-ass rap album he's trying to come out with. You think he wins on Saturday? If you if you can remove your, your personal issue with him, do you think he beats Gilbert or do you think Gilbert beats him? Uh, I don't know what a, what a Dilbert is, Ariel, but, uh, you know, I would hope he could beat a guy named Dilbert. You know, the guy, the guy fought at, at – I don't even know what he fought at. No one knows because no one knows who he is. So, you know, I would hope he wins. But, dude, in his last – I mean, when's the last time he won a round in the UFC, Ariel? Has it been like two, three years, four years? Tyron Woodley? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, prior to the, the Usman fight. His uh, Was it against – who was it? Now I'm, I'm – uh, was it – Darren Wonder the Doughboy Till? Darren Till, yeah. Finished Darren Till. Wonderboy, yeah. Stopped Darren Till. Yeah, Daryl the Doughboy Till, man. That's a that's a that's a great win for him, man. 
someone who everybody's beaten. And, and remember after that, he, he, I thought he had a flawless performance. And then all of a sudden, sudden they want to make him versus me. And all of a sudden he's hurt. Oh, I can't fight. I got to hurt Pinky. The dude's full of fake news. Everybody knows Tyrone Woodley's the CNN and the UFC aerial. He's not like you. He's not like a real reporter and a real guy who comes with facts and, and, and real news. So how do you foresee this playing out for you? Because it seems like now Usman Masvidal, it's, I don't know, on ice. Um, it doesn't seem like there's much heat behind Usman McGregor. Maybe I'm wrong on that front, but uh, it seems like a long shot. Where do you factor into all this? Like, If you can look at your crystal ball, when do we see Colby Covington fight next and against who? Uh, you know, if, if we can look into the crystal ball, it, you know, it's either got to be this heated rivalry, you know, ex-best friends turn uh, bitter enemies, you know, journeyman Jorge Masvidal versus Colby Chaos Covington, you know, let's let's fill the dock of the American Airlines arena. Let's let's go find out who's the king of the 305. He can't claims to be from Miami, but everybody knows I'm Miami, Miami's favorite fighter now. So, you know, that I think that's the perfect uh, headliner and it'd be a great thing. But, you know, I, if that can't happen, you know, I want my rematch. You know, I deserve my rematch, Ariel. That, that was so foul play during that last fight with Mark not so Goddard. Thank God he's locked up in the UK and he can't get over there because the travel ban. That guy's a piece of shit, man. He's, he's over there anti-Brexit. He bring, believes in the European Union. So, you know, he hates Trump. He hates the fact that I support Trump. So, of course, he's going to cheat in the fight. Of course, he's going to call fake falls against me. But then when the fouls are actually happening to me, he's not going to call them. So, you know, I want a ref that's not going to that's going to be biased and, and is going to ref the fight objectively, and it's going to be a completely different outcome, Ariel. I promise you that. I guarantee it. Mark my words. You heard it here today on Ariel Hawani's show. Next time I fight Marty Fake Newsman, he's going to sleep, and I will have the real welterweight championship because he's got the fake Power Ranger belt. Do you think we will see you this summer? I hope so. I'm begging to get back in there, man. I, dude, since December, Ariel, you don't know how motivated I've been. How hungry I've been! How how much I want to right every wrong! How much how how much the fire is burning inside my soul to come back and rewrite the ship and rewrite history. So I'm ready to go. Uh, you know, I hope the UFC will, will give me a worthy fight. You know, they they know I'm not I'm not wasting my time with jobbers and bums, dude. I, I came here to fight the best, and I am the best in the world. So so let me fight accordingly. And and how is your relationship with the UFC these days? Like the notion that you're in timeout because things were a little rocky leading up to your title fight. Is, is that accurate? Or do you feel like you guys are in a better place? I feel like we're in a better place. You know, I'm definitely not in timeout, man. I've been doing whatever I want to do. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm my own boss. No one tells me what to do, when to do it. I do it when I want to do it. So, you know, I definitely haven't been in timeout. I've been making a ton of money. I've been busy, man. I've been working hard, training every single day. I haven't taken no days off Ariel, and you know, besides that, doing sponsors, you know, I got Bang Energy on board, man. They've been a great sponsor to me. You know, I got uh, my bookie, you know, my, uh, the bookie company that sponsors me, they're helping me out, supplement some income in between fights so I can keep preparing and stay ready for last minute opportunities, you know? So if anything comes up last minute, you, your boy's ready, man. I'm ready on a week's time. If, if something happens this weekend and Tyquil Woodley, you know, stubs a toe and, and needs an opponent, I'll be there. Uh, finally, what what's going on between you and Drew McIntyre? What, what's happening here? Is this a work or is this a shoot? Be honest with us. Ariel, I, I'm always honest with you. I promise you I'm always 100% honest with you. There's no CNN fake news going on. Drew McIntyre is going to get his ass whooped so bad. I can't <laughs> tell you what I'm going to do to Ariel. Ariel what, what's the beef here? Is, dude, 
what the beef is is I go I go over there and express my interest that hey I want to go I want to go wrestle in the WWE you know I want to wrestle the best wrestler in the company Drew McIntyre this this big Scottish Sasquatch you know he's right. just beat Brock Lesnar he's got all the hype he's he's this big bad boy and he comes at me from this angle yo let's fucking fight I'm like what you want to fight me and then he's talking about he wants to fight in a bar fight and and this and that he's seven foot tall. Dude, Drew McIntyre, you're seven foot tall, but when you're on your back, you're not going to be seven foot tall. I'm going to be slapping you up and throw a brick through your head. Wow. Okay, so you feel like he disrespected you? Oh, dude, he Ariel Drew McIntyre did not only disrespect me; he crossed the line. If I oh. see that guy, and and let's be honest, we're in quarantine, so it's kind of hard to find people. Like normally, I can find people. Everybody knows that Ariel. When I wanted to find Dana White, I went and found him. I went to the blackjack table at the Palms and I confronted him about losing my title shot. Drew McIntyre, he's lucky it's quarantine right now. It's hard to find people. I don't know where anybody's going to be. I don't know what's going on in the world because the world's not right. But I promise you, when things get back to normal era, I'm going to go find Drew McIntyre. I'm going to hunt him down, and I'm going to take his soul out of his body. All right. So in conclusion, Colby Covington is is no longer affiliated with American Top Team. Um, Whether you were asked to leave or left on your own, we have to ask Dan Lambert that question, although I feel like you kind of gave us a hint that maybe it was sort of like a mutual decision. Would that be fair to categorize it that way? Yeah, that, that'd be very fair, Ariel. Okay. Uh, you're at peace. No hard feelings with Dan, but you feel like now uh, the shackles are off, so to speak. You can say what you want. You can speak your mind, and uh, you're out for revenge. No one's safe. Colby Covington 2.0, here we come. Good summary? I couldn't have put it any better myself, Ariel. <laughs> you, need, you need to write a book, brother. <laughs> Colby, I appreciate it, man. Anything else you want to get off your uh, your chest, or did we cover it all today? I think we covered it all, you know. I mean, you can tell us where your training, who your coaching staff is, but. That, that'll come out soon, Ariel, I promise you. But we got to be patient. One thing at a time, one step right. at a time. Uh, people we know, names we know, coaches we know. Uh, we'll just have to find out, baby. I got connections. I got connections. Don't, don't, don't worry about your boy. Your boy got connections. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Colby, thanks as always for the time. Good luck to you. And hopefully sooner rather than later, we see you back in there. Thanks a lot, Ariel. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Interesting stuff there from Colby Covington. So it had been rumored for a couple of weeks that he was gone from ATT. He finally confirms it. And I'm curious to hear who his coaches are. I'm curious to hear where he'll be training. And also, above all, I'm curious to see when he'll return. And against two, there's a lot of questions to be answered if you're Colby Covington, but he's still a name in this sport. Make no mistake about it. Still a draw in my opinion. And the top of 170 is just a really interesting mess right now. Speaking of which, the champion, as we know, is Kamaru Usman. We know that he has the belt. But this week, things got weird. We thought we were on a pretty clear path to Usman versus Masvidal. And then all of a sudden, we start to hear that Masvidal is turning his attention to Nathan Diaz and Usman's turning his attention to Conor McGregor. What the heck is going on here? And so we have gone to the man himself, Jorge Masvidal, to get some clarity as to what is going on. And let me tell you, he was fired up today. You know, like I said, there was a time he was doing a lot of interviews. Dare I say, maybe too much. But he's been relatively quiet as of late. So it was great to catch up with him. Great to sort of get some sense as to what is going on and uh, try to figure out from his perspective where things stand, here's my conversation with Gamebred, the number one contender at 170 pounds, Jorge Masvidal. Enjoy. Can you clear the air for us? What is going on? What is going on? Uh, well, Kamaru, who's asked for an insane amount of money, 
He had one of the worst pay-per-view cards of 2019. I had the best. This is by numbers. It's not an opinion. I had the most sold pay-per-views of 2019. So he thinks he's hit the jackpot. And he was asking crazy money for the UFC. The UFC's told him no on several occasions. But th- this kind of goes back before that. Before me and Nate fought the first time, when Kobe was giving him trouble, I stepped in because they called me and go, would you fight Usman on six weeks' notice? I said yes. Usman said no. Who stepped in? Nate Diaz. Now, this thing comes about, and he's asking for a crazy amount of money because he thinks since he's fighting the star at 170 that he's going to get paid that. But you got to bring in your worth, man. You you don't get that, you know? You had the women's greatest champion that ever lived, the most talked about woman in our history, Amanda Nunez. You had Max Holloway, Volkanovski on the card, and a good undercard besides that. And they still had one of the worst draws ever because of Usman's whack ass. So how are you going to demand all this crazy money and then get upset when the UFC don't want to give it to you? You know, and he gave it away. He's talking about if the price is right. Well, they don't feel that the price is right. They don't. They don't want to pay him that money. You know. So what can I do? And uh, the fight's gonna happen, man. Because that—that's the fight I want, man. That—that that, it's gonna happen. It's just—it's just, it's just he, he's making it tough. The UFC's making it a little bit tough, but it's what the fans want. It's what you want. It's what I want. You know, it's gonna happen. I'm, I'm gonna get money. If not, it's gonna be Nate Diaz, man. And then I'll mess up Usman's face come November. But it's going to happen, you know? Okay, so as far as your talks with the UFC, were you on board? Were you all done with them? We haven't we haven't got an official contract. We haven't got any bad agreement. See, if, if Usman, he, this is where we could just see that the people that are involved with Usman and put his stuff out is just fake news. And this is the real stuff. I'll tell you right now. If this shit is so real, why doesn't he have a, sign, a signed bout agreement with the date on it, all that stuff, and post it online? Since you've signed, since you're so ready to go, because he talks about I was ready on this date, on that date. On no occasion did he ever sign the bout agreement. He's never signed the bout agreement. He's never even agreed on money to them. He just says, yeah, I'll fight. They're, he asked for money. They're telling me that yes or no, and that's it. It, it is a, a somewhat of a business, you know. He's going to try to act like he's a tough guy. Hey, lost you there. No, you're good. He's going to try to act like he's a tough guy and stuff, but he's not. You know, he's gonna. He's been talking about he's a knockout machine. You knocked out the fragile dude, man. Don't nobody care about that dude. That dude's been finished twice in the UFC. Why? Why are you bragging about him? You know, you, you knocked out a wrestler. They can't knock nobody out. They can't take a hit. So what? Uh, what is the big about? You know, it's it's gonna happen, but it's not gonna be in his terms. Like I've said from from the start, and he's so desperate. That, you know, he'll just be sitting cage side there when I run it back with Nate again with his mouth wide open. Like, oh, he's my biggest fan, my biggest groupie. Uh, he said this to Brett Okamoto yesterday. Both you and Conor McGregor are champions of Twitter, talking smack on Twitter. In the history of MMA, who has ever said no to a title shot? I'm that guy. I'm the boogeyman who these guys are saying no to a title shot against, and they better remain quiet. Jorge Masvidal, you had an opportunity on April 18th, May 9th, June, and now July. And you want to fight Nate, a fight that wasn't even competitive. And so he's saying that you're turning down the title shot. You're saying that's not true. What I'm saying is that on April and May, he never signed a bout agreement. The UFC knew what we wanted what, what we wanted for money. They went to him. He didn't sign a bout agreement. There was no further discussions. He didn't sign the bout agreement, so therefore they didn't even talk to me. I'm, I'm the one that draws you and sells you. People are buying the fight to watch me. So they don't care about him. They already got me on board. They know that if they get him to sign, they're going to compensate me. They're going to take care of me. His ass ain't signed the paper on any of those days. And when he had the chance, when he for real had the chance that he was getting ready for it in November, why, why do you think 
It was supposed, like he always says, it was supposed to be him and that other fragile dude in November, right? What, what happened? Why didn't they scrap it out? How did me and Nate out of nowhere come out? How, mm. how did that happen? Because he said no to me. He straight up, when they called him and said, you want to find Masvidal in six weeks? He said no. Three hours later, he called back. He's like, you, you know what? I think I might take it. Too bad. Nate had already stepped up to the plate and said, let's go. Let's run it. What's the big deal? This guy is. <laughs> and that's why that fake news and all that stuff. It, it, it's going to happen, man. I just, I'm going to dictate when it's going to happen and not him, you know? What, what do you make of him now talking about Connor and his team saying that they will they will fight Connor instead of you? Desperate. It was just, you know, I thought Connor's fighting Gagey. That's what I heard. I, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't care, man. I just get in here and train and train and train. He's not going to fight nobody, man. That's why he's desperate. He's calling out for everybody. Every, every, how many interviews have I done with you in the last, I don't know, five, six weeks compared to this guy's constantly calling up Brett or whoever or giving him the time. Hey, let me get on your show. How many times does he call you to get on your show? You know, maybe you don't want to say you smile and you give it all away with that. I'm, I, this guy's a groupie, man. This guy's an attention whore. I love the fight, man. I'm not going to lie. That That's my sin. I, I love the scrap, man. He keep all the media and he keep talking. When he signs about agreement, UFC sends it over to me and we discuss our numbers, we'll do it. But the UFC doesn't even care for him, man. They, He's the lowest-selling guy of 2019. Why, why do they care for this guy? It's a business at the end of the day, and he's shit business. He's in the no-making-money business. Look at it, Look at his paychecks compared to mine. And, and I want to address one more thing, just because it's facts. He said I'm a Twitter champion. That's interesting because I think he has triple the tweets that I have unless he's erased them, like, as a, an hour ago. He has quadruple the tweets or something that I have. So what? what What's he getting at? You know what I'm saying? Who's the Twitter champion? If you're the one that's constantly on Twitter, man, constantly talking shit, anybody that'll interview him, he's, okay, I'm in, interview me, please, somebody hear me. That's why nobody cares for him, man. It's just fake news all the fucking time. It's just talk, 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 talk. He ain't doing shit. And then when he fights, what does he do? Facing the crotch, facing the crotch. He knocked out the fragile dude, and he's campaigning for that. I got more knockouts. No, I got just as many knockouts as he has wins, period. I got 16 knockouts on my record. He has like 15 wins, something like that. After I break his face, I'm going to have more knockouts than he has wins. You, you, you're telling me I'm scared of that dude? Come on, man. They said the same thing about Ben, that I was backstepping this and that. No, we had to get the numbers right. Things had to be on, on board. When the things were right and they said, okay, after Ben, you're guaranteed a title shot. What did we do? Signed right away. The money was right. Believe me when I tell you, I'm going to make Usman look as simple as I say when we get in there. If the UFC comes to you today and says, what do you want, Usman or Nate Diaz, what are you picking? It's all the same tomatoes and potatoes, Usman's face, man, because I, I have a distinct dislike for him. Okay. So do you feel like it's going to happen? Do you believe in your heart it's going to happen this summer? Uh, I don't know if it happens summer. I don't know if it happens November. I don't know when it happens, but I'll tell you this much. I'll say when, where, in the, in the A side, and you can tell because of the money will be right here. He could say and do whatever he wants. I know his feelings get so hurt because he talks so much and nobody listens to him, man. He did that interview with, with, uh, with who you just said right now to see how many views you get, to see how many views me and you get. It, the, the numbers don't lie, man. Don't nobody listen to your crap, man. He put out a three-hour movie. Ain't nobody seen that shit. Did you see it? Did you see it? I, I did not see it. What? You didn't see? <laughs> You're the biggest nerd in MMA. You didn't see that stuff, man? Come on, man. Well, nobody give a F about this dude, man. But I'm going to make him famous, so I guarantee you. Just like I made that British dude famous backstage, uh, whatever his name is, I'm going to make this dude even more famous, man. 
Would you be open to fighting July 11th, Jorge? Because they are looking for definitely, definitely open to fight July 11th. UFC doesn't know my number, but they do know my management's number. They call their ass up, give them the deal. We've been training for a minute, man. Since January, I've already been training, 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 training. Once April came around, we've been hitting the gas pedal hard, man. We're ready to go tomorrow. So for the public, if you are good to go July 11th, they call up Abe Kawa, your manager, and said, all right, we want Jorge Masvidal on July 11th. Who do you think your opponent will be on July 11th? Who has a better chance of being your opponent? I don't know, man. I, to tell you the truth, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I uh, don't think Nate has a problem going at all, man. I think Nate's ready to go, and he'd be willing to go. Usman's asking for go, – go, you know people in the UFC. Go find out how much money he's asking for. He's asking for an absurd amount of money. An absurd amount of money at the UFC. I said, fuck that, bro. Who are you, man? You got to – how could you ask for this amount of money guaranteed when you're not a draw, man? You're, you're not a draw. You're not a household name. Nobody knows you. Even the hardcores in the sport don't care for you, man. There's no. He doesn't have like a like a commanding force. Like, hey, I could at least bring three hundred thousand pay per views. Blah blah blah. No, he doesn't do that. So, you know, with a stack card like that, at the end of December, when when they had an immense amount of 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 propaganda and this and that, and right before that was my pay per view, which was the highest selling. So that means that there's more subscriptions on ESPN. That means it's easier for people to access the platform. You would have thought they would have outdone me, not even close. So if I think if he gets off his uh, his high horse, him and his management, maybe they, they, they might see the light, man, and then wake up looking at the lights. And before I let you go, Jorge, I just spoke to uh, your, your old teammate, Colby Covington, who told me he's left – ATT, he's no longer a member of the team anymore. Can I ask what your reaction to this? I guess I'm still here. Ah, the truth will shine, my brother. What happened? I'll let you ask Dan Lambert, but uh, that dude was never part of this team. He was just a fucking cancer, man, for the last 34 years. You know, um, man, at the end of the day, he didn't feel safe in here, man. I wonder why. Are you happy he's gone? Would you like to fight him? I'll tell, I'll tell you what, man. Um, it, this I'm not exaggerating what I'm about to say. This is a temple for me. It, it's it's a it's somewhat a religion, religious experience for me being in here, being in here since a kid. You know, my good days, my bad days, my birthdays, all days I've, I've spent in this gym sharpening my tools. I, I truly love this place. So I don't like to see that animosity, even if he had never said a word about me. What type of teammate or, or man or he's not a man but sport are we in that you can insult a woman you know insulted joanna insulted amanda insulted dustin these people are not in your weight class i i get it you're trying to do the stick that you're some type of heel but what's that have to do with a woman a 115 pound woman 135 woman are you going to compete against them are you going to sell more pay-per-views because you're talking about amanda and joanna answer me that is that is that what's going to happen? People are going to be like, oh, he's talking smack about chicks. I'm going to go buy the pay-per-view. And it just sets such a bad example of our team and our sport. So him not being associated with us no more. They've already moved all the pictures of this coward here. He's off the website. It's like he didn't even exist from here. And same thing it'll be in the UFC. His next fight, he's going to get knocked down. And then you end up in Mikasuki's in, uh, Indian gaming halls fighting for, for his life, you know. So before it's all said and done, would you like to fight him or do you just want to be done with him? I I, I'm pretty sure he's just done, man. 
Life is just going to get him out of that. I don't see him winning anymore. Not at a high level. They give him some new guy that just came in, maybe. But if, if they have him up there against top competition, he won't handle it. He's a fragile dude, man. And he's uh, he's not a guy that's mentally strong. You know, I remember he used to cry on my couch all the time. When he broke his hand the first time, he lived in my couch for about eight, nine months. Didn't have a job. Didn't, couldn't fight, had a broken hand. And he thought about quitting like two, three times. So mentally, he's weak. I've been hearing the same thing about the draw. I'd be surprised if he even comes back to fighting. That stuff that he was going to fight Woodley, he wasn't training. He wasn't training anywhere. He's just... And that's why kind of the media has to really... I don't know, man. The media has to kind of change. You can't just copy and paste everything everybody says. I'm not saying you, but you know who I'm talking about. Anything somebody says, something they put it out there. Just because he says it doesn't mean he's going to do it or nothing like that, you know? We should be questioning these people as journalists. Like, yeah, is that so? You've been training this and that. Because he wasn't training anywhere. Woodley was actually getting ready to fight for Leon. Woodley actually signed a bad agreement. Kobe yet again pulled out for a third time. So I don't, against Woodley. So I, I don't get it how, how he even has anybody believing in him. You know, I, I don't see him fighting any top fighters anytime soon. Last question for you, Jorge. If you could look in your crystal ball for us to make it as clear as possible, what day and against who are we seeing you fight against? Again, excuse me. My, my, since November, uh, like towards the end of November, December, we were hearing rumors that I would be headlining International Fight Week July 11th. That's still my plan. I'm, I'm going to try to headline that card against the biggest name, the biggest fight, the toughest fight I can get my hands on. I'm the champ. Not that bitch. And I'm going to prove it on July 11th if he signs the dotted line. Now, he could go and make all the publications he wants. He could go do all the interviews with Brett Akamoto and them. But that doesn't mean you signed the bad agreement. That doesn't mean you're willing to compete. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Jorge. I appreciate it. And I love the beard, man. It's looking like Kimbo. Respect. I haven't I haven't been uh I haven't been to the barbershop. I took that quarantine shit for real, man. I was like six, seven weeks locked up, man. But now you're free. I kind of free. I'm just out at the gym, you know. I still try to try to low key it out, you know, but the beaches just got open in, in, in Florida and in some parts of Florida, like in Broward County. So we're going to enjoy those pretty soon. We're getting some beach workouts and things like that. You know? And I, and I hear that you're giving Bo Nickel a run for his money as well. Perhaps a sign of things to come. Uh, giving him a run in his money and, and spike ball, man. I, I can't do nothing to that dude wrestling, man. That, that's a guy to look out for, man. Bo's a stud. He came down with a couple guys, Anthony as well, Anthony Kazar, which was a, a heavyweight champion for Penn State. We also got Cody Law in here, which is another beast. It, it's just the future's looking real bright for American Top Team, man. We're gonna do something that's devastating, and nobody's even seen it coming. We got a we got a good uh, work ethic down here. We, we we attract the right guys. That's why uh, that guy that you mentioned earlier, him leaving, has actually attracted the next wave of people. Because no, don't nobody want to train with a piece of crap like that. That's gonna be talking about how they didn't sparring or how they didn't, and going on Twitter and saying, "I would beat up so and so if I would get in a fight that." That's not uh, not sportsmanlike. That's not teammate-like, you know? And he says that it's a solo sport, but it's not because all those coaches that he talked bad about, those Brazilian coaches that he talked crap about, they were the ones holding the pads for him. They were the ones holding, getting the kicked in the arms from him. They were the ones grappling with him. He shit on the whole Brazil, yet he was here sucking off these Brazilian coaches to help him out, to give him a pad session. Nobody wanted to work with him, and those are the only guys that were willing to work with the guys that he shitted on. So getting rid of that cancer was like the best thing for this gym. You're going to see us even – we're already at the top. I don't think there's no competition for us right now. But we're just – we're going to hit another stratosphere coming up. Appreciate the time as always, Jorge. Good Wait. to talk to you again. 
It's the best gym in the world, man. You asked me like a million questions. Hey. And don't start corporate, Jake. With you, we gotta cut it now. It's my turn to ask some questions. <laughs> best team in the world currently. Uh, there's a there's a few that come to mind. American top team at the top of the list. Uh, AKA I think is a great team. Jackson yeah, there's Wing. There's some great teams out there. There's some great teams Tri-Star, out there. Star. But let, let's uh, even forget about kickboxing. the UC. Let's forget about the UC. Think about Bellator. Yeah. PFL. Risen. You know what? Have you seen the belt collection we got over here, man? I've you I've heard collection? of it. Yes. You, let me show you something, man. Okay. All right. I take this with pride, and this is my. I've been carrying this flag for a long time. American top team and this it just to be in these halls right here it's amazing man we got a let me show you if you guys it's got a, a beautiful, second check yeah yeah it's a beautiful right facility here. you guys got yep this one's not bad we got that one mm-hmm. not nice and then look at that look ooh oh wow and you see that those are all belts those are real belts my brother I see them <laughs> so much so much gold there I can skate on it or so much ice I should say I, I, I screwed that up there's more Nothing quite like a fired-up Jorge Masvidal. I appreciate his time very much. I'm really curious to see how this all pans out. I wrote a lot about it on ESPN.com, so you can check that out right now on ESPN.com slash MMA. But it's a uh, it's a very convoluted mess because you've got some massive names here. You've got Masvidal, McGregor, Usman, Diaz, all involved. Who knows what happens after Saturday with Woodley, and there's Covington too. So much going on in that 170-pound weight class. In the end, I'd love to see the Masvidal-Usman fight. I feel like that's the fight that we were promised. They were building to it. There was heat. They had the run-in at the uh, the Super Bowl in Miami several months ago. That's the fight that I think people want to see. And then we could look to maybe Connor versus Nate Three, as I've talked about. And uh, the other chips will fall where they'll fall. Woodley versus Covington. That makes sense. I don't know what happens with Leon Edwards. It's a mess of a situation, but great to gain some clarity from Masvidal himself. And uh, he was in great spirit. So I appreciate his time very much. Now, let's turn our attention to another simmering drama, if you will, as far as the UFC is concerned. It's between Francis Ngannou, John Jones, and the UFC. So we've been talking about this Ngannou-Jones fight. We've been excited ever since he beat Jarzino Rosenstrike in a matter of seconds back at UFC 249. And they were going back and forth, and there were the tweets, and we got all pumped up about it. And then it just kind of died when John Jones was tweeting about it. And I appreciate the transparency, but I feel like we didn't get the whole story there because I was trying to figure out, like, okay, well, what was he asking for? How much was he asking for? Was it, you know... $40 $40 million and he knew that the UFC wouldn't, you know, come to the table or was it reasonable? It's a frustrating situation. All we can agree on right now is that we all want to see this fight. If it's going to be Stipe versus DC3, there's no better fight for both John Jones and Francis than them fighting each other. So we got to figure this out. Anyway, Francis Ngannou has been relatively quiet since this all went down last week. So we went to the man himself to find out where things stand. A frustrated Francis is a very interesting and entertaining Francis. That's who you'll hear from right now. First off, Francis, thank you again for the time. I appreciate it. How are you? I'm good, Aria. How are you, Seth? I'm doing really well. Thank you. It's good to talk to you again. We spoke not that long ago after your big win over Jarzinho, but a lot has happened since then. And so I I just want to ask you right at the top, where do things stand right now as far as your fight or potential fight with John Jones? Um, I think that one is not moving on very well since the... um, last comment of the UFC president, Dana White. But um, at some point, I thought that fight is going to happen, and I thought uh, I might have a fight before um, many months as last uh, last, as last time. But um, 
it's not happening. It sucks somewhere. It's stuck somewhere. So let's see how it goes. Do you know why it's stuck? Has that been explained to you? I mean, it was clear uh, uh, that he was about money. Like um, they said, what John John asks is not what they are willing to pay. And then, uh, so we didn't even uh, spoke about something, speak about something, because it was just clear that uh, they wasn't willing to. They weren't willing to. Do you know what he asked for? I don't know. I guess the question is that people are wondering, including myself, like, do you think that he asked for something reasonable or do you think that he asked for a number that's so big because he knew that the UFC would say no to that number because perhaps deep down inside he doesn't really want this fight? That's the the thing that's being debated at the moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I really understand, but um, I don't think so. I think he asked for something which is reasonable and then, uh, like, me- I don't know how much that was, but I think uh, he asked for something reasonable. People said, Jones, uh, he doesn't want to fight me. I think he wants, like, uh, because he makes himself clear and uh, he wants money. He tells the USA he wants money. He tells everyone that he wants money. And uh, we know all what guy can do with money, for money. (laughs) You know? So, and once again, it's not like he's, it's not like a middleweight or um, welterweight. John Jones is a light heavyweight. He walk around as a heavyweight. He has to cut weight to go to heavyweight, to light heavyweight. So, um, and he's been around, he's a, uh, world class champion. He's been in the top for a long time. He has the, his experience. So I think he won the fight. I mean, I believe that. Do you think he's sincere? Because in the past, he's talked about heavyweight, um, but then he went back to light heavyweight. You actually felt this time that he was sincere. Why do you feel that way? I don't know. I mean, like, uh, they have been asking about this fight for for a long time, but uh, we haven't teased each other until like a week ago. So if he wasn't sincere, why would he uh, be there and tease me? Like, yes, he can decide to go to heavyweight. That's a different topic. But like, okay, I'm going to fight this person. That's a different topic. Did it ever get to the point where the UFC was talking to you about the fight or were they just talking to him? No, they never like really talked to me about it. How do you feel about that? About what? Well, I mean, it takes two to tango, right? They need to get you on board as well. Yes, but there is no tango. (laughs) <laughs> because they are no, they are not willing to play the music. Right. How disappointing! How frustrating is that for you? Well, it's just it's just another one on many disappointments. So, my question now is, what uh, when will be my next fight? And once again, I'm I'm hoping it won't be like uh, in another eleven months or so. So, let's see what they get from me. Do you feel like it's dead? Like, do you think that it's actually not going to be, you know, discussed again? There's no chance of this fight happening between you and John Jones? He has to be discussed. I think this fight is so big. I mean, I always, to be honest, um, I never talk about it. People always ask me about it. And I kind of like deflect 
yeah uh the question but i knew that is something was going to happen i have i didn't think that uh we're going to be talking about this fight at this point but i knew that is going to happen at some point so yes uh now than ever i believe this fight is going to happen uh maybe not now but it's going to happen there's no what? way that this fight is not happening why did you feel like it, it was going to happen that it was inevitable It's such a big fight. It's such a big challenge. I mean, uh, either for me or for John, it's just a big challenge. And, uh, fan has been, uh, has been so excited about this fight. I mean, if they care about fans a little bit, there's no way this fight is not going to happen. So John said that, hey, you know, when I go up and take a challenge like this, when I move up to heavyweight to fight a guy as dangerous and, and powerful and talented as Francis Ngannou, I should be making more. There's a risk involved, and I should be paid for that risk. Do you agree with what John has said about this? Yes. Uh, besides that, uh, this is a big fight. I think, uh, I mean, yes, he's moving up to heavyweight. But this is a big fight. I think it's reasonable to ask for uh, more compensation. Like I would, I would do the same. I mean, I'm expecting, I'm also expecting something out of this fight to be mm. a big pay day or something like that. Um, not because I'm moving up. No, I'm technically, I'm moving down, but still want some money, you know. So, uh, it's just the circumstances. It's just the fight. The fight uh, sounds to be very entertaining, big fight, and uh, it was the risk. So, um, the case. so to be clear, like even if they did come to terms with John on any kind of deal, and then they come to you, you're not going to fight John Jones for the same money that you fought Jairzinho Rosenstrike for. You feel? Oh like no, no, fuck no, <laughs> fuck no. What what are you talking about? <laughs> I just wanted to to make it clear. No, you f- uh, no, no, be be clear, be sure about that. That's not happening. Okay, so uh, you want to pay, and that's why I was wondering if they reached out to you yet, because it feels like if they just reach out to one side, obviously they have to get them on board before they start talking to you. But they need to get both of you on board. It sounds like as well. I don't know. Maybe um, as I said. There wasn't winning on that. Maybe it's not just on their timing. Who knows? Maybe uh, they are planning to do that in the future, but it's not their right time. They have some plan going, uh, moving on, but maybe they want to do that in the future. Have you seen the reaction to this fight? It seems like the fans. Re- I mean, there aren't that many fights that the UFC can put on right now that seems to generate the kind of buzz that you two. We're generating and can generate, and especially when you you know you talk about for the masses, for the non MMA fans, it seems like this is a very easy fight to sell. Were you noticing all the buzz surrounding this, all the excitement, and did that make you think, okay, the UFC has to be looking at this as well? This is a no brainer. No, I think the UFC know the UFC know very well about this because uh, they have been talking about this fight for like at least a year, like all the time. I. I used to have interview and fans who always ask me about the Jones fight and I have to deflect the conversation, but it always came, came up, you know, like, you know, something that is not uh, avoidable. Like, uh, I need the rematch against Tipe. I want to be the heavyweight champ, but, uh, people who 
mostly asked me about the Jones fight or than the uh, Stipe fight or a DC fight. You know, they always ask me about, uh, talk to me about Jones fight. Then I'm like, okay, I'm not, it, I'm not cutting, uh, I'm not going down unless Jones, uh, co- uh, comes up. Then we will talk about a fight, but I'm not going down. But, um, and, uh, obviously I sense that it's going to happen, but, uh, no soon. Obviously, if John Jones moves up, there's no belt on the line. But I'm wondering, considering who he is and his great resume, in your opinion, is a fight against John Jones at heavyweight bigger than a fight against Stipe for the belt? Yes. The the I mean, obviously, I want the fight for Stipe. First of all, for the revenge, and second, for the belt. But I think we all will agree in the fact that fight against John Jones is huge, way more than the fight against DP. And in your in your heart I mean that's my opinion. No. Yeah. I mean like okay, let's say I'm not a fighter uh and I want to see some fight. Francis Ngannou against Stipe, Francis Ngannou against uh John Jones. There's no doubt it's Francis Ngannou against John Jones that I want to see. You know, but Everyone has his own purpose. Uh, you guys have been going back and forth a little bit on uh, social media. And, you know, one of the things that he was saying is that there's not a lot of technique there when he sees you striking. What have you made of a lot of the things that he's said about you over the past couple of weeks? Well, nothing. You know, um, people always say things. Even before my life, last fight, I heard things. But it doesn't change how, uh, how the fight goes, you know. So <laughs> we get there, we put it down, and we see how it goes, you know. Uh, I mean, I have my own technique, and uh, maybe no, no, the same thing. But uh, he helps me to win. At the end of the day, the matter is to win the fight. Just curious, there's been a lot of debate lately about who the greatest of all time is. Do you consider John the greatest of all time? Uh, of all the time? Okay, so let's, let's be honest about this. Like, there's the many, many uh, UFC or MMA fighter that I never really watch because mm. I get into this like just six years ago and just been following my own career and everything just has to be about what is pretty close to my own career. But so far, uh, I will not argue, I will not argue that. It's, I mean, sport-wise, he has proved it all. You know, he's been in the uh, head of this division for like, what, almost a decade. So there's no argument about that. Okay. And and so now in your heart, do you do you think your next fight will be against John? Do you think that it gets figured out or are you not holding out hope? I'm not, you know, I'm not holding out hope. You know, when you hold in too much hope, then things doesn't happen and uh, you get frustrated. And I don't want to be in that position. I just want to let things happen. What happened, happened. Doesn't matter, you know. The only thing... Um, I want to be active, and I hope this time they take that in consideration. 
And so when you say active, let's say they do Stipe versus DC in, in August and this John fight doesn't materialize. Are you open to fighting other people? First of all, forget about let's say. I think at this point we have to talk about fact. Yeah. Like, okay, DC and Stipe is fighting in August or not? I want to know. Hmm. First give me that. They are fighting or not. And if they are fighting, when when will be the next title uh, challenge in the heavyweight division? Okay, that's that's the first thing I want to know. That's and that's when you'll decide if you'll be open to taking another fight, right? I think another another fight will make sense. Will has to be a, maybe a super fight. I mean, like just take a regular fight or stay here and wait. Uh, build up some Jardinho to come find me, that doesn't interest me at all. Anyone outside of John that you consider a super fight? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I would have said, yes, maybe DC, but DC is fighting Stipe, so right. no. Okay. Uh, so so it's a very interesting time. And and by the way, since the Jarzinho fight, not related to John, did you have any talks or your management have any talks with the UFC about what could be next for you? Anything, any any kind of communication? They said they have figured out uh, what's going on with Stipe. Okay. They're trying to put, uh, see what's happened uh, in August. I mean, how it goes, because it's not official yet. It's not uh, locked yet, so... I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that. Now, speaking of big fights, super fights, uh, Eddie Hearn, who's a famous uh, boxing promoter, said recently that he feels like he can make a fight between you and Dillian White, the uh, the heavyweight boxer, uh, very soon. He feels like there's a lot of momentum, and soon he wants to talk to Dana White about this. Have you heard about these comments from, from Eddie Hearn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. But uh, once again, I'm in the, on the UFC contract and nothing would happen without the UFC approval. Okay. Are you interested in this fight? I'm interested about everything will make sense because otherwise uh, my future is blamed. So do you, do you, you, know, you know who I, Dillian is, right? Yeah. I, I've been hearing about him like for a few months. I mean, I haven't said nothing about it because he talked a lot of crap and uh, I don't want to follow up. But uh, yeah, I find out who he is. What's his beef with you? Why is he talking so much crap? I don't know. I mean, I think that's how he talked because I saw that he's he's doing the same thing with everyone. It's not just about me. So... (laughs) But this is something that you've talked about, right? Wanting to do boxing. So this could be the opportunity. Do you think the UFC would let you? I don't know. Let's find out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's find out. The UFC is unpredictable. <laughs> yes, uh, to put it mildly. Now, but but if they say yes, this is something you're interested in, right? Yeah. I would be interested about that. I mean, Doesn't it's sound like you're too thing. excited about it. Huh? It doesn't sound like you're very excited about it. Yes, because there's a lot of if. Yeah, you're tired of and the I'm, ifs. Yes, there's a lot of if, if, if this, if the UFC, if uh, Eddie Hearn, if Dylan White, you know. So I want something concrete. I want something like a fact, you know. I mean, I'm excited. That is super fight that I'll be interested in. Like, 
Dylan White want to come to the UFC to fight me. Oh, let's see that, you know. And then either I go to uh, the ring to fight him. That's what for me. Let me ask you this uh, before I let you go. What means more to you, to be the heavyweight champion of MMA or the heavyweight champion of boxing? Uh, right now I'm doing MMA. I think we have to take things step by step. You know, uh, I have to achieve achieve what I'm doing in MMA before set another goal in the boxing. You know, like stay focused on what I'm doing. Eventually, uh, when I will step um, crossover, then I will have a different goal for boxing. But now I'm uh, in MMA, so I have to achieve what I have here. Earlier this I month, haven't, I, right? I haven't no, I achieved that. yet. Yeah. yeah. Earlier this month, when we spoke, you were frustrated. Would it still be fair to say that you're frustrated, or do you feel like because you're far away from the fight now, you've kind of gotten over you that? You know. A little bit? <laughs> For the past month, I understood uh, understood many things. You have to like calm down because um, it's not your call, you right. know. Uh, no matter no matter what you want, or you have to wait for the UFC. I mean, as long as you are in the contract with them, that's how it works. And then uh, thinking about it, getting frustrated doesn't help you at all. So I kind of like chill. Uh, see life differently, enjoy about life. Just take this as a job because at the end of the day, this is just a job. You know, I have a life. Uh, unfortunately, I can travel now, but I would I would have been home right now with my family and mm-hmm. enjoy it and forget about all the fighting things. You know, so yeah. Uh, two last things. So dealing with this and the Dillian White stuff. Does that make, I know you talked to me last time, you have two more fights left on your contract. Does this give you more things to think about when you eventually become a free agent? I've been thinking about that for a very long time. So it's, I'm good in that side. Okay. You, you like I'm the good, freedom. Yeah. yeah. Nothing worth the freedom. Okay. Do you, do you think, is it possible that after those two fights, you, you will leave the UFC? Uh, maybe. What do you mean by possible? Well, okay, not possible. Like, is it fair to say that after you're done those two fights, you will leave the UFC? No, uh, I'm, I can't. I cannot say that. But at least we, we will do in your contract on the different term. Okay. And uh, finally, any message to John? Anything you want to say to John Jones? Uh. I mean, at this point, I don't think I have anything to say uh, to John Jones because, you know, it's like the UFC has put a, uh, a uh, ice water on my face. So I'm dropped, you know, like weeks ago, I was very excited about this. And now... I mean, I can't hold John accountable, so I don't really have nothing to say, tell him. But the only thing that I expect is that he take this fight seriously and because it's going to happen. Or maybe I want you to be involved. Maybe you want to say something to the UFC. Yes, to make the fight happen. <laughs> of course. I mean, to make me fight or to just to tell me when is my next fight. That's. I mean, that's all what I want to know. 
Well, I think I speak for everyone when I say, I mean, there are few fights that are more exciting on paper than Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. Everyone was buzzing about it. It was a, a bummer, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out hope, Francis. I still believe that it is alive, and I and I feel like there's a chance that it happens. They have to. I, I it, believe it's too so. big. Yes, I believe so. I mean, the USA know they know exactly what they are doing. So I think it might just be a matter of timing, you know, with uh, empty arena fight, everything mm-hmm. now. So they don't want to deal with many of those things at once. Maybe that's why they lay down a little beyond that. Francis, I appreciate the time as always, my friend. Thank you very much. And, and I hope for your sake they figure this out soon and that we get the fight that everyone has been talking about, you versus John Jones. Thank you, my friend. All thank, the best. Thank, thank you, Aria. Have a good day. Again, thank you very much to Francis Ngannou for his time. A fascinating story that I'm really curious to see how this plays out. This would be one of the biggest fights the UFC could put on in 2020 and it's not for a belt and it doesn't have to be for a belt but when you consider the fact that john jones is technically undefeated i consider him undefeated i don't consider that one loss to matt hamill legitimate when you consider the fact that he's moving up for the first time we've been talking about him moving up to heavyweight for years now at least three four years and he'd be going up against the guy who's considered to be the scariest heavyweight right now the the hardest puncher in the heavyweight division maybe in the ufc and he's knocking people out in a matter of seconds. This is just a fascinating fight. And then when you consider the ramifications from the fight, let's just say DC wins against Stipe. And John Jones beats Nganu. You could do John Jones versus DC three at heavyweight. Or even if John Jones beats Nganu and Stipe wins. Jones versus Stipe is a fight that we've been talking about for so long. This is going to be an issue that's going to come up a lot as of late. The UFC, you know, they, they lost out on some revenue. And they will continue to lose out on revenue because there are no gates right now, right? They're doing events in empty arenas like they're doing this Saturday at the Apex, and they're not going to break the bank. And so we're seeing this come up with Masvidal Nusman. We're seeing this come up with Nganu and, of course, John Jones. And we're going to see it come up a lot, I think, over the next few months. It's going to be interesting to see how they figure this out. Anyhow, for now, though, time now for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is time for TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week, and it is brought to you by our good friends over at Modelo. Modelo Especial, setting the gold standard for authentic Mexican beer since 1925. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. Well, Ariel, I am uh, just on cloud nine today. Why is that? You texted me this morning. Well, you texted me last night, but I was fast asleep by then because you never sleep. I woke up to a text message from you at 4.45 a.m. We're having Colby Covington on today, and I've never been so happier at that time. And and after that, when we spoke to Colby earlier before we actually got rolling and did the actual interview and stuff, he said hi to me, and he invited me to his next fight. How about that? Well, I actually don't remember the invitation per se. I remember him saying i hope to see you was it an invitation or was it just sort of like i mean he didn't explicitly say it hey come to my next fight i want you walking me to the the weigh-ins but he's probably thinking that in his mind he basically invited me to fight but i i can't wait for when he you know takes the welterweight belt that is rightfully his yeah no that is fair i mean uh i know you're a big fan so i can understand why you would be so excited to uh have that moment that's the first time you talked to him right First time I've talked to him, and I was I was geeking out really You're hard. Geeking out, I could tell. The, the second he came on the screen, I uh, I was smiling. I couldn't stop smiling from ear to ear. 
you're a big you're a big Colby Mark, and I get that. Who are you a bigger fan of, Colby or Halsey? Halsey, definitely Halsey. Wow. I love Why would Halsey. You say that? There's a better chance of Colby listening to this than Halsey, so you might as well have just said Colby. <laughs> this actually inspired me. Um, this along with Conor McGregor's top five list that he put out over the oh, weekend no. that you guys in DC dissected. I put together a okay. top five list of my favorite fighters, and I'm wanting little Hawaiian nose trivia challenge if you can guess them. Okay, these these are your favorite fighters, not who are the best. No, these are my my favorite fighters. So this is you know inside yeah. the octagon, outside the octagon, based yeah. on how they act, what they say, present themselves, etc. Colby number one, right? No, actually, no. What? I'm shocked. What Everything. you just went on? You just went on ten minute yes. round telling us how happy you were that Colby. I was you. I was very happy, but if we are encompassing everything, he's actually not my number one. Um, all right. Do you Is want to get five, five down or one up? I'm just going to throw out the names. I can't. Okay. I mean, how okay. could I actually? Okay. Yeah. I think you'll be surprised by some of the names I have. Is he? Yes. He's on the list. Is he and Colby are both on the list? Daniel Cormier? No. Wait, you don't even have no one half of the Monday show? That's disgusting. I don't. Not yet. He can work his way in there, but not yet. After that, I'm clueless. Joanna. Okay, I, I love Joanna. She showed me a lot in the Zhang fight. I love yeah, Joanna, yeah, and I sure. and I have met her as well. Yeah. Um, Conor McGregor. He's he's number five on my list, but over time he can move up once he earns more of my trust. But very exciting fighter, obviously. Yeah. And then Valentina Shevchenko mm, is my second favorite fighter. Izzy's number one. Wow. Whoa. So Colby's number three. I feel I'm, like I'm putting more emphasis here on like the fighting aspect of it. In terms of watching a person fight, it's Izzy by a long shot. Then it's Valentina. She's an assassin in there. I love watching her fight. Colby, right. for as great as he is outside the octagon, as entertaining as he is, mm-hmm. he's inside. He's not as much. Okay. Is this the tip of the week? This is not the tip of the week. Because I know everyone was dying to hear who your top five favorite fighters were. I mean, this is great. I mean, we we here we are on a Wednesday pulling out some of the biggest names in the sport. I mean, literally some of the biggest names in the sport. And you follow that up with your top five favorite fighters? I've got thoughts. Hey, but I also have thoughts on minimalism. And so I found myself in a predicament uh, last week because I wanted to buy this sweatshirt. It's a $48 sweatshirt. So it's kind of expensive and a little bit uh, out of the budget right now considering everything that is going on. So it was an impulse buy. I really wanted to get the sweatshirt. I really wanted it. And so we all have impulses. Even minimalists are not averse to having impulses. However, I know how to manage these impulses. So what do I, what I do is whenever I am having a, whenever there's a big purchase like that I'm considering, let's put it over $30. I kind of take some time to wait it out to see, does that initial interest, that initial desire for that item subside after two weeks i give myself two weeks so i'm still in the waiting process and right now i still want that sweatshirt and if i feel the same way this time next week then i will get that sweatshirt but i will not let myself impulsively buy something that's a little bit on the expensive end just because i want it so badly in that moment and so for anyone who struggles with impulse buying especially when you have all this time on your hands at home especially when you have the entire market at your fingertips online, on your phone, on your computer, when it's so easy to fall into those traps, I strongly suggest that if you don't want to end up with some stuff that you're actually not super happy with about uh, after having it a few weeks, then this is what I suggest you do. Give it some time to let it wear off, and if it doesn't wear off, then you should get it. 
I feel like this is something that, I mean, you can, you can apply to your daily life and not be a minimalist, right? I mean, that's just sort of like good spending. Yeah, for sure. But so many people fall victim to, I mean, I know uh, a lot of friends who just kind of buy things spur of the moment and they're like, why did I buy that? And so I, whenever I want to buy things, and trust me, I do want to buy things from time to time. I do have desires. However, I curtail that and I stop myself and be like, hey, do I really need this right now? Or let me give it some time. And then if I still want it, if I still want it in a few weeks, then I'll give into it. But I, I will not allow myself to just impulsively buy something and then I'll end up with something that a month later I'm asking myself, why did I get that? All right. So there you have it. There's the tip of the week presented by Modelo. Thank you very much, TST. We appreciate you as always. And thank you very much to all the guests who have joined us. The world of MMA is evolving every moment. It's a crazy time. While the other leagues are talking about returning to play and revenue sharing and collective bargaining and hub cities, we're talking about actual fights and drama and all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, it's like we never left. It's like we're back on track. People arguing about money and saying this guy's scared of that and leaving gyms. It never stops in the world of MMA, and we're happy that you're with us on this crazy ride. Thank you so much to Tyron Woodley. Thank you very much to Colby Covington. Thank you very much to Jorge Masvidal. Thank you very much to Francis Ngannou. Thank you very much to TST, and thank you very much to all of you. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe, download, all those things. That helps us continue to do the show, and that lets the powers that be know that you care as well. I know you care, but it's sort of a good indication. At least that's what they tell me. Anyhow, we're out of time. Again, I appreciate you all. I love today's show. I hope to do many more of these. I hope you did as well. And I remind you that the UFC is back this Saturday for Tyron Woodley versus uh, Gilbert Burns on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Enjoy the fights. I'll talk to you next week.